welcome to the Metal Bob Live Podcast. I'm your host, Metal Bob. Today's show is brought to you by Legend Picks, artist Jeremiah Kallick, and also the Texas Vinyl Coalition. You can find links to our sponsors and more on the Metal Bob Live website. There you can also find links to the latest Metal Bob gear, including shirts, hoodies, and more. On today's show, I had the honor of speaking with keyboardist and songwriter Todd Waits. We discussed the hurdles he had to overcome to pursue his dream of music, and also his latest video, When the Children Cry. So sit back, have a listen, and enjoy the show. Thank you. Hello, Todd. Yeah, this is. Hey, Todd, how you doing, buddy? Appreciate your time. Oh, man, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. You're welcome. So how's things going, buddy? Uh, things are good. You know, just like everybody else, we're, we're adjusting, you know, continue to adjust to what, what our world is, is, <laughs> is, is facing now. But we've, we've stayed pretty clean and we're all healthy and it's all good. Well, that's good. So, hey, I got to be honest with you, man. So I, I just recently discovered you. Um, you know, I had, I had ran across that video a while back. I think Bill Liberty might have been the one that uh, shared that. And I'd ran across it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And man, I gotta be honest, I was immediately drawn in and blown away by that video. The version of the song was amazing. Oh wow, thank you. And it's always you know, that's always been one of them songs that's had a very powerful message, but I think now that song's even more relevant now with the way things are in this world. Yeah, you know, it's so crazy. I I started working on that, gosh, probably in in March, maybe end of March, I laid down all of the pianos and tracked out all the strings and played those. And, and, uh, and then, you know, I'm really not a singer in all honesty. I've, I've been a keyboard player since I was four, but, um, singing, uh, you know, I, I I've always been a backup singer when I've toured and, and all of that stuff, but, um, I wanted to sing it as kind of a gift to my kids. And I even have a couple of grandkids. I started like pretty young and, um, and then all the racial stuff started happening and all this division and all this stuff that we're, we're dealing with. So it became bigger than what I had planned for it to be. And I was really flattered that Mike Tramp from White Lion gave me his personal, you know, okay to do it. And um, yeah, I really, I'm surprised at how well it's been received. Oh, it's amazing, man. I mean, I knew right after I watched it, I said, man, I got to get a hold of this guy. And I think the next day or the same day might have been I, I hit you up and you got back to me right away and I was I was pretty stoked that I was able to get with you tonight and have a little conversation. Oh, I'm stoked. So yeah, there's a reason you haven't heard of me because nobody has. Well, I'll tell you what they are <laughs> they're going to now, man. If I got anything to say about. It. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're but, very cool. But thank you've you. done quite a bit of stuff, man. I I know that you said I you know I I read a little bit up on you and um. Instead, you started playing keys at the age of four. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. And I know that you had had, you know, you had uh, one of your arms amputated because of it was a cancer that took one of your arms. Yeah, when I was 14. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, 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 you know, absolutely believe in God and that, that he, he's the boss, man, and he makes things happen or he doesn't make things happen. And what was interesting is, I, at the age of 14, I needed to buy a keyboard because I learned on this big Phantom of the Opera cranny organ. And my friends were playing drums and guitars and, and we, we wanted to, to, you know, jam, so to speak. 
So I, I saved for months and months and months to get my first portable professional keyboard and so anxious to buy it. And uh, the night before I was scheduled to, to go pick it up, I broke my arm throwing a football, not thinking anything of it, bought the keyboard the next day. And um, Monday I was put into the hospital and it, my arm broke because of the cancer. And I all of a sudden had one arm. I, I mean, I, I don't even have a shoulder. They, they really... They were worried that the, the cancer spread when the arm broke, and so they, they had to take everything they could. I did the chemo thing. You know, you lose your hair, you're sick. So I was bald. I had one arm and thrust into this world I really wasn't used to, which was if I left anybody, like people were very cool to me in my school, in my middle school, but, man, if I ventured out of that, it was just constant ridicule. Right. So, I mean – it probably was, you know, pretty difficult. You know, I know you reteached yourself how to play the keys. I mean, how, how did that process work? Yeah, you know, it's the perfect time to learn keys because, man, I, you know, I'm a big 80s fan. And, and uh, you know, that was when keyboards were, were still relevant, you know, until all of the kind of grunge stuff came out. And, and if I would have, if it would have been at that time, I would have really, wouldn't have had a need to learn a keyboard, but... I had taken lessons when I was young, like like uh, when I was seven until I was probably ten, and then I took um, just, just took some time to to kind of teach myself the style that I that I liked. But I also took music theory, which helped me to understand the mechanics of of music. So I had this new keyboard. I was passionate about it. I wouldn't have been into it if I had already bought it a month before because I'm a guy that, you know, has to be shiny and new. Right. And I wouldn't have bought it had I known what was going to happen. So I think it was just perfect timing. And then perfect timing of an era because songs like Jump and Separate Ways and all of those songs came out. So I, I would just set these goals where I would I'd learn a little bit at a time. And then I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Randy Rhodes. Yeah. Ozzy's original guitarist, I was I was like infatuated with his style of, of playing, so I learned all of his solos on a keyboard, and that really helped learn the solo and, and all of that stuff. And then it was just, man, it was it was like whittling wood. If, if you you start with a log, and, and eventually it becomes something, and that was what it was like to learn a keyboard. Again, you know, right. Well, that's pretty sweet, man. And I know that you, you have, you eventually you had another battle with cancer. You don't mind me asking. I know in 2014. Yeah, no, I don't mind at all. Um, yeah, it really came as a surprise. It was just like four years ago. I had thyroid cancer, which is in the, like the front of your throat. And um, again, I've always sang backup and everything. And I, and then I, after I left touring music, I became a, like a motivational speaker, so to speak, but in schools talking about anti-bullying and things like that. And all of a sudden, I had this thyroid cancer, and I had just, it's so weird, the way it, I, I had gotten a phone call from a guy that I played with before that used to sing in Journey, and he asked if, if I could do this Voices of Rock tour with him as a solo artist. And I was like, man, life is good. Like, I'm enjoying the school assemblies. I'm going to play this tour. And like a week later, I found out I had thyroid cancer, and so I couldn't couldn't go on that tour and from from that from the surgery they bent my vocal cords and so you know your vocal cords connect fully when you're making tone my vocal cords wouldn't connect so I had to feel like I was shouting just to speak um 
but I, I took some voice lessons. I had some two great voice coaches. Um, one of them I still take from once in a while. Daniel Formica is his name, and and he's just a miracle worker. So I um, got my voice back and more. So yeah, um, I thought you sounded great on that video, man. It's <laughs> oh, thank you. I know I keep going back to that, but that. that's that was my first experience with you. Was that was that White Lion video, and I'm just. I think I probably watched it like 20 times that day. I was like, I couldn't couldn't stop watching it, man. It was really good. Well, you know what's interesting? I just got off of an interview with Troy Patrick Farrell. Okay. um, About an hour ago, and he was the drummer of of White Lion. Yep, yep. So it's just a coincidence, you know, that was kind of cool. We just hung up and... But yeah, I, you know, I've been able to tour. I've been in three other countries and... um, I've done some some pretty cool things and didn't really know that I was encouraging anybody by playing music. I just was a keyboard player that happened to have one arm. I never put myself in any kind of weird category. But uh, then the letters started coming and, and the, the conversations about how it encourages people. And I had to kind of embrace the fact that I don't really want to talk about myself. Like, I'm already sick of myself talking to you. Right. right? <laughs> it's been a couple minutes. But I, you know, I wrap my head around it's just a story about a, a young boy who had some challenges, um, but also had big dreams and followed them and chased them and worked hard for them. So as long as I can put that hat on, um, man, I'm all about helping people. Right. Yeah, I know that. I see that you do a lot of motivational speaking. Um, you have a website. It's called uh, TrueRockStarsDon'tHate.com. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so the school program, um, it's for kids of all ages. The delivery is different, you know, when you're in elementary school. But um, all age groups bring a keyboard, and I and I just kind of kind of tell my tale, so to speak, and ask that kids relate it to things that they're facing. Uh, because people look at me, and, and they say, wow, his, his problem in life is obvious. He has one arm, but that's not my problem in life. My problems are, you know, trying to make my clothes match and you know <laughs> and then sometimes you look at somebody that seems like they have it all and you assume that that they're good and they're not i mean there's hurting hurting kids out there and i started doing it i just kind of fell into it and it went from me thinking ah you know who knows i'll just do this too i mean times i just i I'll hold somebody who's suicidal that has multiple uh, scars on their wrists from suicide attempts and, and they just don't see life as being precious or a gift to them and walking them through that. So I get in front of one, I mean, I'm shut down because of COVID now, but I get in front of about 15,000, 20,000 kids a month when I'm in full steam. Okay. Wow. And how long have you been doing that? Just, just about nine years. Okay. Wow. But I'm kind of like, you know, those tattoo artists that say, man, I need to apologize for everybody I tattooed that first year. Oh. <laughs> I kind of, I feel that way about my speaking because I, I thought through being able to book myself, but didn't think through what to say. So I just kind of showed up and, um, you know, now I have pictures and it follows the flow and it's, and it's better, but uh, it, it, I, I'm embarrassed about that first year. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you're doing a great job, man. And, you know, helping, that's very important to have people like you out there uh, spreading that word. Oh, man. I, you know what? I feel that good people 
are spreading the word whether they know it or not. So I appreciate that, and I'm sure you're doing the same whether you know it or not. Thank you. I do. So I also see you, you, you're a businessman, too, of sorts. So you, uh, yeah. You're, you're yeah. a director and vice president of a sales team. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, it's interesting. So my dad, growing up, my dad wanted me to be a businessman. And, and my mom wanted me to follow my dreams, which I wanted to be a rock star. She doesn't want to be that. And so I was kind of forced to follow one and chose to follow the other as well. Um, but very much a blessing in disguise because, uh, because I had some, you know, some semblance of, of business vernacular, I built a speaking program based on those skills. And, and I never would have been able to without that. Wow. So you want to tell everybody, okay, so I know you've, you've been involved in a lot of different music projects. You want to, you want to share some of those with us? Yeah. So, you know, some are bigger than others, obviously. Um, I remember the days of playing in the basement and the bands would get so good that our parents would let us actually play in the garage. So I definitely have, have had that stuff. And then, um, I actually toured and, and re, I, I'm like, I think I recorded 12 or 13 albums with, with the band called Apologetics, and that's with an X at the end. And that's actually a, a Christian band that we did and, and record still. Uh, it's like a Christian version of Word Al Yankovic. So okay. every song you can think of, we made some kind of version of. And um, I have a little home studio that I record that stuff. I was on the road with them for three years. That was my first experience of like full-on tour bus with bunks and all of that stuff in, in big fan clubs. So that was pretty, pretty cool. Before that I toured with a band that was like the club circuit. So it was kind of like the, the major clubs in the cities you play at. So we did like sloppy Joe's in Key West for 10 nights in a row. And then we kind of move on to somewhere else on the way home and, and all of that stuff. Um, and then lately I've, I've really been enjoying recording with folks that I've met along the way. Um, so that White Lion song, I uh, at the end, you know, there's bass and drums, guitar. It was Tim Gaines from Striper that played bass, and uh, Rowan Robertson from Ronnie James Dio playing guitar. Okay. Um, so I, you know, they're, they're just such great guys, and um, you know, I've spent a lot of time with with some national acts, just hanging out with them guys and Def Leppard and, and blah 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 back in the day. Um. But the, the people that have arrived are usually the nicest ones. And, and people are kind of surprised by that, but they're just really good guys. And um, the, I sent you more of a heavier song that I wrote. Yeah, the one with Jeff Scott Soto. Yeah, so yeah, Jeff Scott Soto, he was Ingvay Malmsteen's original singer, and then he joined Journey. And he's, in, he's the hardest working guy, um, hardest working singer out there. He's in Trans-Siberian Orchestra and Sons of Apollo and a band called Soto and a lot of other things. He, I, I wrote the music and it was, I just sat down on a keyboard and it's kind of what came out and it came out kind of dream theater-ish. And I, um, I, I sent it to Jeff and said, man, could you even sing on top of this? Cause it, to me, it seemed kind of busy. And, uh, man, he wrote the lyrics. I, I, he knew I wanted it to be about, um, anti-bullying or unity or love, you know, kind of thing. He, he sent me something, I just nailed it. And then Bill Leverty from Firehouse uh, played guitar on it. And, and Bill Bill and I have been friends probably since 2000 and, and just always been, he's, he's just, 
I feel like he's my biggest fan, and uh, he's just always so supportive. He just came out with an album called Divided We Fall. Yep. And so Bill Leverty's in Firehouse, you know, Love of Lifetime, uh, a lot of hits. But uh, he does stuff on his own. It's so good. And, and he, he's the first one that I send any of my music to. So we'll be doing some more stuff together for sure. But that song, you know, I recorded it and did it, and I'm, and, and I'm proud of it, but I know it's not music that sells today, so I haven't done anything with it other than post it on YouTube. But it's called Before Too Late. Yeah, I mean, I listened to it just a little bit ago. I love it. It's a great song, man. It, you know, I was... So far, man, you're, you're batting a 1,000 with me. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. But I have two fans now, you and my mom. Oh, well, hey, it's better than no fans, right? <laughs> Right, yeah. right. That's perfect. No, but you, you know, you're talking about Bill, man. I've had the opportunity to meet Bill a few times. You talk, that guy's, he's a hell of a guy, Bill. He's just a great, great person, you know. Yeah. Just smoking guitar player. Yeah. He, he's the package, you know. He's a nice guy. He's humble, but he, his chops are right on. And, you know, this says a lot about Bill. So you've met a ton of guitarists. Yep. And, when I when I did the demo version of Before Too Late, there was a keyboard solo in the beginning and a keyboard solo in the middle that was long. And and uh, Bill Bill was so tedious. He he just played everything so precise and, and really poured himself into it. And I'm like, Bill, you need to take that opening solo and an outro solo. But if you don't mind, I'm going to keep the keyboard solo in the in the middle. And he's like, oh, man, I love that intro. So, like, he, I had to force him to play solo. There's no other guitarist in the world that I can think of that I would have to, you know, force them to play a solo. So that says a lot about Bill. Right. Absolutely. And then he nailed it. Yeah, of course he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there was one thing. I was, I was reading a little bit about you this afternoon, too, and on my lunch break, and I, and I noticed that you would uh, – You'd lend a hand to David Bryan from Bon Jovi. What what was that all about? Yeah, that was pretty exciting. Um, I was like 22 or 23, and um, I was in a magazine called Keyboard Magazine, which I'm still shocked that I was in that magazine. All the great keyboard players are in it. And um, so I was in it, just this little thing that I did about, you know, kind of, they, they named it One-Handed Magic because I wrote out, like, different things you can do. Okay. Um, to make up for a missing hand or whatever. And I was on the phone with the editor like a week later, and he said, hey, man, David Bryan from Bon Jovi, he cut off his finger sawing wood. Maybe you should should give him a call and, and chat, to, chat him through some stuff. So he and I connected and chatted through some stuff, and um, you know, I, I, I walked him through some things and, and wrote some things out and emailed it to him. And he was very cool, very supportive, and... and um, it was pretty pretty shocking for me to to talk to somebody of that caliber, and then things just kind of took off from there. I spent a lot of time with you know, guys in Def Leppard and Sticks and all that kind of stuff, and and so it's been it's been really fun. That's great. Man. I'd like to get out there and tour again. I, I'm pretty committed to the school program, but I would like to do some more touring when when that opens back up. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see you out there playing, man. I would definitely come out and check that out. But, uh, Very kind. So, if you don't mind me asking, what's so? Uh, who are some of your influences growing up playing the playing the keys? 
That's a great question. Um, there's so many because of different reasons. Um, David Bryan from Bon Jovi, he's a great piano player. And then as a keyboard player in Bon Jovi, he played parts that fit the song very well. So I learned to play for the song instead of playing for me. Um, you know, when you're in a band, you're one of five or one of four and, and everything needs to accommodate each other. So I love that. Uh, from a, from a, like, like soloing perspective, um, there's a guy named John Lowry. He's in a band called Petra. That was one of my first influences, but, um, there's a Jens Johansson. He was Yngwie's keyboard player. Yep. He really showed me that keyboards can be aggressive. And, um, so I, I loved, loved him. I love um, the original keyboard player from Dream Theater, Kevin Moore. I really like him a lot. And then I like their the guy they have now. Like Nobody can, can even touch that guy. Um, I'm trying to think who else. There's so many. Uh, I can draw from, from just about anybody. Yeah. I even thought, you know, from a writing catching catchy parts on a keyboard – Eddie Van Halen is a lot more talented on the keyboard than what people think. Okay, yeah. I've had to record some of his stuff, and um, he's actually pretty intricate. Yeah, and some of that stuff that he, you know, like on the Fifty One Fifty albums, and some of that stuff that you know he wrote with Sammy. I mean, there's a lot of great keyboards on some of those records. Yeah, um, yeah, it, and you know, Jump was one of the first songs I learned with one hand. Because it was like, it, I, I lost my arm at a perfect era because there was the Van Halen keyboard stuff. There was Journey, you know, separate ways. Learning that was cool. Um, and then again, I was learning the Randy Rhodes solos. So um, that's another big, big influence. I, I'm more of a guitar fan than keyboard almost. Um, so I play pretty aggressively. But everything has its place, I guess. Right. That's awesome. So, uh, so who would be the band that you would love to tour with the most if you had the opportunity? Wow. Bon Jovi, 1986. Okay, fair enough. That's a great one, man. <laughs> <laughs> that had to be so fun. I don't know how they, I mean, they're machines, though, how much they would tour, but they had the songs, they had the energy. It, it was fun. Um, and, and this one might surprise you. A friend of mine, he played keyboards in Whitesnake and, and, uh, a bunch of other stuff, but he was Rick Springfield's keyboardist for like 15 years. Um, then he went on to play as Foreigner for a while, but I've seen him in Rick Springfield a bunch of times. And Derek Hillen is a great keyboard player. And Rick Springfield is one of the best performers, like as far as fun, because music has to be fun. Um, and you have to have fun songs. He he has all that. He's one of the best live performers you ever see. I would I would love that gig. My friend's not with him anymore. That's the only reason I say that. Okay. <laughs> well, you never know, <laughs> man. You might get the phone call one of these days. You just never know, right? I know Rick's still, um, he's still out there hitting it pretty heavy. He's he's a busy guy. Oh, and Night Ranger. Night Ranger would be a fun gig. Oh yeah. I, I, that's, you talk about a fun live band. I, we just seen them last summer, man, with foreigner. It was just, every time I see those guys, yeah. they never disappoint me, man. They're just, they're on point. Yep. Oh, oh, yep. Yep. 
Old Jack Blades, he's on top of his game. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge Sticks fan, but I could never fill those shoes. But they're, they're, their new guy, Gowan, is his name, is, is very much a supporter of like the school program I do and um, the music I put out there. He's just such a, such a friendly, nice guy. Um, but whenever I see him, I realize how good I'm not. Oh. You know those guys? <laughs> He's one of those. Well, I'll tell you, I, you know, I'm, I play bass and, uh, you know, there's every once in oh, a while, cool. I, you know, I, I'm a big Billy Sheehan fan. And then, you know, the first time I ever really oh, sat yeah. down and watched Billy play, I, I put a for sale sign on my bass and I set it out in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, those people, you know? Oh, I know it. You know, and I'm a huge Paul Gilbert fan. I, you know, I'm a Mr. Big fan and those guys together, they're just like a couple monsters and it's just. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think Mr. Big was a great band and, and glad they're still doing stuff. Yeah. It's funny too. Like you get on YouTube and, and you see a five-year-old bass player that is better than most people. It's, it's amazes me. These kids these days, I tell you, they, they just pick it up like a video game and it's like, it comes really easy to them. Right. I mean, you post videos of, of playing and then you're like, you know what though? I can Google six-year-old keyboard player and they'll be way better than I am. But they can't reach things on the top shelf, and I have that over them. There so, you go. <laughs> you there, know. there you go. We'll hold on to that, right, man? Absolutely. You better believe it. We got to have something, man. <laughs> well, man, I'll tell you, is there anything that you'd like to promote? You want to tell everybody where they can find you online, or you want to promote your, uh, your, your Rock Stars Don't Hate website? Any of that stuff you'd like to say? Yeah. Um, if people go to true rockstars don't hate.com or just rockstars don't hate.com, it'll, it'll put you in the same spot. Um, you know, I'm a nonprofit. And most of the time I lose money doing what I do, but I love what I do. I've been in three other countries speaking to kids and, and uh, all over the U S and I'm going to do it whether, whether it's a paycheck or not, but it's always nice when people feel like, like helping, um, but even just getting a letter of support saying, man, I love what you do, that drives me, you know. And um, as from a music perspective, you know, I just released, if you go on YouTube and just Todd Waits, When the Children Cry, or Todd Waits, Before Too Late, those are up there. Um, just check it out. That's all. I, I don't know what I'm doing with any of that, but it's out there and I've enjoyed it. And um, I'm glad people seem to, to enjoy it as well. That's awesome, man. Well, I'll tell you what, buddy, uh, I'm a huge fan now, man, So, and I really appreciate your time tonight, and uh, I was looking forward to this. Oh, me too. I, I hope you keep in touch with me personally, too. You a know? Absolutely. I, I sure will. I sure will. I'll be All in right. touch. And, awesome. Uh, you know, maybe um, sometime in the near future when things get rolling on the road again, maybe I can have you back on. That sounds great. Where are you located, by the way? I'm actually in Missouri, Columbia, Missouri. Missouri. Okay. Yep. Um, where, yeah, Columbus, Ohio here. Okay. Okay. Well, you're a little. You're not too far. A little ways up bad. there. No. But you know the RV's gassed up, ready to go as soon as things as soon as things open up. We actually just uh, adopted um, an eight-year-old boy. Oh wow! So that's keeping us home. Yeah, yeah. That's um, awesome, man. That's he, that's he cool. Official about two months ago. But I started really young in life, man. I, I have I have older kids and a couple granddaughters, and, and so now I have this eight year old that I kind of don't even remember how to have an eight year old. So 
been pretty interesting. Yeah, I started. Pretty- but yeah, he was he was homeless on the streets with his mom for two years, and and uh, just a bad scene for him. And kind of left on couches at strangers' houses for a long time. And he's 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 just really brought a lot of life to us. So it's all good. Well, that's great, man. I'm sure you brought a lot of life to him too, buddy. Yeah. So we're not traveling as much because of that. We want I want to be home for him, but. Let's get together one of these times. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That'd be great, man. I'd, I'd love to meet you. That would uh, be cool. So, yeah, buddy, I guess. Yeah, my wife and I, we're, we're looking forward to getting out. When we're, we're getting some stir-crazy feelings here in the house. Yeah. So. You know yeah. you know old Billy Morris, right? Oh, yeah. Gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're, 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 how far away from you are from his food truck? He's got one there in Ohio there somewhere. I used to, uh, yeah, I used to be like 20 minutes away, uh, but now I'm, you know, that's in Cleveland area. Now I'm in Columbus. I've been here nine years, but yeah, yeah, I know, at least for sure. Yeah, them got him and Todd, man, they're down there kicking it, man, and it, there's, I heard they got some really good food. Oh, dude, I see his post, and then, and even if I just ate, I'm all of a sudden starving, because they, they show all <laughs> the brisket on the, on the thing, and yeah, you know, Billy is a really nice guy, and, and the reason he's gotten gigs that he's gotten is because he's a he's a nice guy and easy to work with. Right. Um, you know, we all had egos back in the day, but I, that's why I tell you, musicians, it, it, playing is half of it. it may, my uh, my audition was with, with Apologetics was I had to play three songs live with them. And I didn't even know these guys and got up and played, and, and they said, all right, and, and I was on the road with them for like a month because they wanted to make sure that they wanted to be in the same room with me because that's, that's the other 50%. Right. And nobody else auditioned, so that helped. Oh. <laughs> that's a true story. That's great. Well, it doesn't hurt. But, uh, no. Wow. No. I, I hang my head on that. That's awesome. <laughs> nobody else auditioned. That's awesome, man. Well, Todd, man, you've been fun, man. I appreciate you, brother. You too. Keep in touch with me, okay? I will do that, man. You do the same, and uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. You take care of yourself. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. That concludes today's episode of the Metal Bob Live podcast. Please go to our website to check out our sponsor links, and thank you for listening. Metal Bob out.